0: There we go. Our second reading comes from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through chapter 4, verse 5. Hear now the word of the Lord. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and from and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, And in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim this message. Be persistent, whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but have itching in their ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. As for you, always be sober, endure suffering, do the work of the evangelists, carry out your ministry fully. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Join me in prayer. In amazing and persistent grace, you have kept covenant with us. We thank you for loving us, even when we have not loved you. Amen. The morning text that stands before us is the parable of the persistent widow and the unjust judge, and a writer giving what seems to be the final pep talk to a young preacher before they go out into the world. The writer of Timothy uplifts the power of truthful doctrines, and in Timothy's heart, he knows what is true. What stands out to me and probably was most recognizable to us here today is all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may may be proficient, equipped for every good work. To be inspired or God breathed is a powerful image. Breath itself is such a quiet and unknowing task. We rarely recognize our breath until it is taken away from us. In seminary, one of my favorite professors, Roger Nishioka, would start every class with a breathing exercise. And if you don't mind, I would like for us to do it together today. It starts this way. You breathe in God's mercies, breathe out God's mercies to others. You breathe in God's mercies, breathe out God's mercies others. When I think about breath, it reminds me of a great book entitled, When Breath Becomes Air. It's an autobiographical book written by American neurosurgeon Paul Conthy. It is a memoir about his life and illness battling stage four metastatic lung cancer. He writes, you can't ever reach perfection, but you can believe in the asymptote toward which you are ceaselessly striving. Human knowledge is never contained in one person. It grows from the relationships we create between each other and the world and still is never complete. Our scripture today draws us back to the breath of God entering into humankind and making a living creature. The breath that uh, exists in each one of us. God's breath continues when we even see Jesus on the cross, breathing for the last time, crying out in a loud voice, saying, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Such powerful imagery that we can pull from this text. When we become more aware of our breath, we become more aware of ourselves, and hopefully, as the doctor reminds us, we become aware of others. Standing alongside our Timothy text is our gospel reading, today being a parable. It is such a rich resource of theological meditation and consists of so many different layers that finding a starting point is a tough task. Dr. Margaret Ernst Habib reminds us, in these eight verses, we find theological keywords and topics referring to an abundance of complex Christian doctrines, prayer and trust, justice and deliverance, judgment and faith, persistence and resistance, the first and second coming of Christ, and the life of believers. As I read these texts, a person kept coming to mind, and that is Teresa of Avila. If you're not familiar with her, she's a saint within the Catholic Church, lived in the mid-1500s, an overall splendid human being. Yuso Gonzalez writes, She felt attracted to the monastic lifestyle from an early age. Although she later declared that she feared it, the first convent she joined, the Carmelite Convent of the Incarnation, she was unhappy with with the easy lifestyle of monasticism, and spent as much time as she could reading books of devotion. During the Inquisition, books that she loved dearly were banned. She then had a vision which Jesus told her, fear not, for I shall be to you like an open book. Her visions became more increasingly frequent. She began to doubt and question herself and look for help from pastors, and they would awful, awful feedback and give unsound advice. Yet she persisted. She became irritatingly reverent as she did not let their negativity and lack of trust stop her from who God had in store for her. She continued to be called and have visions that led her to opening a new convent in order to follow the monastic life with a little bit more rigor. Overcoming great opposition from leadership in the area, her visions called her to spread her teachings and mysticism throughout Spain. Teresa is the only woman in the history of the church to have founded monastic orders for both men and women. William Plaker writes, her books have a vivid personal quality and yet analyze the form and stages of the mystical experiences with care and detail. Some of the quotes uh, that come from her are, do ordinary things with extraordinary love or Christ has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth, but your, yours are the eyes with which Christ looks compassion into the world. Yours are the feet with Christ walks to do good. Yours are the hand with which Christ blesses the world. Sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? Sounds like a good vision statement for a church. <laughs> Yet, before we get too excited, there is a warning within our text that begins to swell up and seems to continue throughout time. Even though the church in this text has existed for thousands of years, it seems though, as it was written for today, on a scale that neither. Teresa or Timothy could imagine. We heard in Second Timothy, for the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but have itching ears, and they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. Isn't that not so unbelievably easy today? We can video stream into any church, listen to any pastor, and run to those who exactly see the world as how we see it, or even find a place that keeps us feeling great, but without any call to action. Matt Skinner reminds us the warning offered in 2 Timothy um, that can help us here today and realize that the truth sometimes requires us to listen to a broad spectrum of people. So they don't always trust only what their ears instead of what what they want to hear. We become complacent or consumers in the church and we begin to just ride it out. Not really wanting to adhere to the call of discipleship. We look at the term of disciple and think that's for someone else. But it is for us here in this room gathered together. Even here at Southminster we created a vision statement to be the head, heart and hands of Jesus Christ, driven by God's love for our church and the world beyond. We are called to be more than just consumers in this world. And if there is anything that our gospel lesson and St. Teresa teaches us, is to be persistent, to not sit on the sidelines or be denied by the establishment, but listen to God. Feel the nudge of God's call on your life and go do it. For all glory be to God and God alone. Amen.